3: Welcome, Uh, happy day before Thursday, happy two days before Friday, happy Wednesday uh, to you and everyone at home enjoying tonight's show. We have a fabulous show planned for you. This is Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, thanks for joining me. Uh, Little update on Uncle Jimmy. Uh, We might have Jimmy on at the end of this week. Uh, I, I would think early next week at the latest, um, he, he's getting to the bottom uh, of an of another not another little health issue. Uh, he's getting to the bottom of. I think we're close to resolution. Uh, you know, keep Jimmy in his, in your prayers. I, he seems to be perfectly fine, uh, but he'll be back with us maybe late this week, early next week. Uh, but we're gonna soldier on without our thrill sergeant, and uh, we have a fantastic show plan. Uh, we're gonna go out to Canada and talk about what's going on in Canada, the Freedom Convoy, and try to get a better understanding of, of what is transpiring in Canada and how it relates to what's happening here in America. Those of you that uh, watch Fox News and Tucker Carlson, uh, you saw me last night on Tucker's show uh, talking about that, and we'll pick up on that. And I've got a couple of guests that will help me talk about that. Uh, Jamil Giovanni, uh, a radio host and author uh, that lives in Canada. Uh, he was recently let go by Bell Media and iHeartRadio, uh, basically for not being woke enough. Uh, but he's a lawyer in Canada, as well, and so he'll give us a perspective on what happened to him career-wise in radio, and a little bigger picture on Canada and the Freedom Convoy and Justin Trudeau, uh, the head dictator there, Uh, (laughs) and just how Canada has so pivoted. I just find this fascinating. I think it's something here in America we need to be paying more attention to. Uh, We're also going to have on uh, a trucker, uh, Carl Thor- Tharp Porter. He's, a, he's from Waukesha, Wisconsin actually. Uh, I saw him a couple of weeks ago on TV uh, talking about the Freedom Convoy. He's an American truck driver. And so I wanted to get his point of view because we're gonna go a little deep here on this Canada situation because I think a lot of it is related to what we have going on here. And then we're going to get to our normal Wednesday routine, Tennessee Harmony, Pastor Bobby, Pastor Anthony, both here. I'm going to have them react to uh, my conversation yesterday with Delano Squires. Delano and I talked about uh, Van Jones and his decision uh, to have a co-parenting a conscientious or a conscious co-parenting situation with a friend and how he suggested, hey, I think other people should try it. I argued yesterday uh, in my conversation with Delano, like, man, we have completely removed any biblical thoughts, any faith-based thoughts, any religious thoughts from our decision-making and so, like, our most important decision-making. Having a baby, raising a child is one of the most important things or maybe the most important thing a human being can do. And we used to be a society that like God and faith and Christianity or whatever your religious beliefs factored into that decision making. But things have gotten so secular now. It's not even a thought. And and that conversation with Delano from talking about Van Jones then segued into a beef, or a Twitter beef, I don't want to, that's not a real beef, but a back and forth Delano was having over social media with three or four black conservatives, uh, including Pastor Daryl Scott, who were basically defending uh, hip hop and gangster rap music in particular. And so... We'll have that discussion with uh, the ministers, Van Jones, and again, because I'm just saying, this whole thing with hip hop is just like, none of us, none of our thoughts, everybody loves to wear, or some people do, what would Jesus do? Then we just completely ignore that. That's not a question we ask ourselves. It's whatever satisfies us, whatever makes us happy, that's what we believe and that's what we do. And then we, like, we wear a, wrist, a wristband that says, what would Jesus do? And we do just the opposite. And so, <laughs> anyway, we'll have that discussion on Tennessee Harmony, but I wanna first uh, start off by talking a bit about Canada. Uh, I wanna show you all, uh, for those of you that didn't see it, my appearance last night on Tucker Carlson to kinda set the table for this discussion we'll have with Jamil Giovanni, uh, Giovanni And I'll have some other thoughts, but let's start with uh, replaying my appearance on Tucker Carlson. What is frightening, frightening about this, because the things going on in Canada are foreshadowing or working in parallel, in concert with the events happening here in this country. I- I'm sorry if people get offended, but the January 6th thing, they assassinated this young woman, Ashley Babbitt, yeah. and they've thrown people in dungeons, in dungeons for trespassing on the Capitol. It- it's- and what's going on in Canada with the truckers is bad bad. But we have the same style things going on here in America, the opposition to the left and their secularization of American society, the demonizing of freedom. That, that was one of, in your mono. When you start talking about they've demonized freedom, America has been built upon freedom, opportunity and self-determination. That's what made us the envy of the world. They're demonizing all of that. And now the goal in America is equity, inclusion, and diversity. Those things are controlled by elites and governments, freedom, opportunity, and self-determination. That's on you and me as individuals to go get that. And that's why people beat down doors to get in this country and all of this freedom, opportunity, self-determination, all of that goes hand in hand with Christianity, Tucker. And if you go look at Canada and in the fifties and sixties, that country, like 65% of them went to church regularly on Sundays. They've dropped that down to about 10% now. And so we don't even value freedom right now because we don't understand its importance. And they've handed us equity, diversity and inclusion. And the, the race, religion, and anybody that disagrees with them, oh my God, uh, there was a swastika, there was a confederate flag, it's a group of racists. Anybody who loves freedom and, and wants to try to fight to protect it, they're racists, they're sellouts, they're, they're, they're not in line with the global agenda. It's We need to pay attention to what's going on in Canada and pay attention to what's going on in this country. We are being bulldozed right now, those of us that love freedom, opportunity, and self-determination,
4: and Jesus Christ. It's funny that secular societies have a very tough time preserving human rights. They talk about human rights constantly, but they were always the most oppressive societies, I have noticed. Um, Jason Willock, I appreciate you coming on.
3: Look, I, I want to summarize and and buttress or broaden my point or clarify some of my point about freedom, opportunity, and self-determination versus this new standard we have of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And and that same talking points in Canada as we have here, diversity, inclusion, and equity aren't really merit-based. A group of elites, a group of people in power, get to hand out opportunities and rewards and and benefits. That's what diversity, inclusion, and equity is about, that there's a group of people that are so special, so elite, so godlike, that they get to determine outcomes. And the reason I said freedom, opportunity, and self-determination are connected, in my view, Christianity because if you adopt Christian principles and then pursue freedom, opportunity and self-determination, you'll win in this country. Barring something crazy happening to you or bad luck, miss some kind of unforeseen misfortune, the statistics are overwhelming that if you adopt and apply these Christian principles, regardless of your color, this country for the last 60, 70 years, but I would say even before that, ever since the emancipation, you adopt, now again, there were laws, Jim Crow's, and I get it that people's uh, freedom were restricted, but not their success. Everybody loves to talk about Black Wall Street in Tulsa. That was before we eradicated uh, Jim Crow laws. Black people were having tremendous success in America, despite Jim Crow laws. And that's not me defending Jim Crow laws by any stretch of the imagination. What it is defending is if you adopt Christian principles and pursue freedom, opportunity, and self-determination, this country, the, the, our founding documents, and this co- will reward you. And The statistics are overwhelming. If you get married, graduate high school, and avoid criminal activity, there's virtually no chance of you living in poverty in this country. The stats, the data, it's the research, it doesn't matter your color. Graduate high school and get married and avoid criminal activity, you will not live in poverty in America. You have a very good chance of being successful. And so when I start getting married, that's about family building that structure that God intended for us all to live in, or most of us, not all, but most of us. I don't think Paul ever got married. But anyway, you adopt these principles, America works for you. If you don't adopt these principles, you will spend the rest of your life hoping that some liberal, black or white, will take pity on you and give you diversity, inclusion, and equity. My father did not need racism to go away to build a nice life in America. My mother didn't need racism to go away to build a nice life in America. We had this whole thing of like, we don't really believe God and Jesus is enough. We think the love of white people—that <laughs> solves everything. And so, I'm just when when you look at Canada, and this will all be good later in the show. When we have well, we got Jamel Giovanni <laughs> coming on. He lives in Canada, but Pastor Bobby Harrington is from Canada. I've had conversations with him about how Canada went from a religious-based society to a secular society. And that's why they have a uh, Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who's a dictator and a tyrant, and is freezing the assets, bank accounts of these truckers who are practicing civil disobedience, not causing any real trouble. They're locking up people for honking their horns. They're talking about seizing bank accounts, that they shut down GoFundMes in support of these truckers who don't want to have a vaccine mandate. Most of the truckers are vaccinated. They just don't want it mandated. Because they actually had actually bought into the concept, idea of freedom. That they get to decide what goes into their body, not the government. And, and we can focus on the COVID aspect of this conversation, but we would actually get lost into what's really going on. This is about control. This is about, Christians are very hard to control. They love freedom. They trust God, not man. And So that makes it very hard for man to control a Christian or a believer in any religion, really. But the elites across the globe, Justin Trudeau to Joe Biden to the people in China and and the way China's... Justin Trudeau, there's video, and I I wish I had asked for it, maybe we'll get it before the end of the show, uh, where he talks about his respect for the way things are done and operated in China. The elites have decided that freedom and that people doing what they want and exercising their free will is in the way of human progress. And so they want to take freedom away and get everybody addicted to the government and the government and a handful of elites get to decide who has success in this country. And they're going to decide it based on some quota system that they establish. I don't want any parts of that. I want to determine my level of success. I want to embrace the religious principles that I was taught as a child. Apply those and the statistics are overwhelming. I will succeed in this country and so would you. What's going on in Canada and again, it's going on here in America as well. Just a test run. This is Justin Trudeau. When, when Fidel Castro died. Overwhelming, glowing words for Fidel Castro. Guy has told you exactly who he is. Loves China, loves Fidel Castro. So, I'm, I, I don't want to... We got such great guests uh, who will have even better insight uh, than I will. And we'll start with Jamel Giovanni. Uh, He's the author of a book, Why Young Men, uh, Rage, Race, and the Crisis of Identity. Uh, He's the managing director of Roadhome.ca. He's a radio host in Canada. He's got a new column out on the Daily Wire, Uh, Even Black Men Can Be Fired for Not Being Woke Enough. Uh, Jamil, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, before we get into your personal situation, what happened with you and Bell Media and iHeartRadio, uh, I'd like for you to help my audience and myself understand from what is going on in Canada and how did Justin Trudeau seize this much power? Well,
1: I got to say, Jason, it's, fantastic to hear your thoughts on Canada. I never thought as a, as a listener of your podcast, as a watcher of the blaze, that Canada would ever get this much attention. So uh, I'm glad we're able to have this conversation. Um, you know, what's happened here, and I think a lot of people know, Canadians are very polite people. Uh, we're, we, we tend to avoid confrontation. Um, when we were asked to get vaccinated, almost 90% of our population has been vaccinated. We did everything the government told us. They took our kids out of school. They shut down our businesses. They worsened our mental health with lockdowns. We did everything we were told. And, and while that was happening, we started to have this sort of cancel culture continuing to get stronger in Canada where all these things are being changed in your life but you feel like you can't talk about them because if you disagree, you'll be called anti-science, you'll be called a racist, people will smear you. And so these two things happening at the same time eventually just boiled over. And the trucker convoy became a flashpoint where you had all these Canadians who did everything we were told for two years and the government still wanted more control, more power, more restrictions, and eventually we just got fed up. And I think if you're, if, you, if, if Canadians are fed up, I can only imagine how people in other parts of the world feel.
3: You know, one of the things I've asked myself, Jamil, is that very question, like, well, hold on, why does Canada seem more agitated than America? I, I, I would think we would be the group with the truckers doing civil disobedience and the working class doing civil disobedience, part of me thinks that uh, the working class has been scared, for lack of a better word, shitless here in America because of January the 6th, and they basically have been told, no, 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 if you protest, trust me, you're going to a dungeon. Now, if these other groups burn down buildings and loot cities and kill cops, We'll have bell funds for them and, and we won't call them terrorists. But if if this working class group in America that loves freedom, if you protest, you're going to jail. I, I, I think that's the difference. But but one of the things I'm hearing from you is like you guys were so compliant and got nothing for it. that that's kind of what has driven this.
1: Exactly. Um, You know, I do think you're right about some of the things going on in the U.S. explaining why there may be hesitance from, you know, working in middle class uh, families to be vocal and to stand up for themselves. In Canada, um, we were compliant all across the country. There is no Ron DeSantis in Canada. There was no province or political leader who said, okay, we're gonna take a different path. So we were all put in the exact same situation. And I think we're fed up that you're right, we didn't get anything for it. And the truckers were treated so badly. I mean, while we were all locked in our houses, they were the ones delivering things, moving things around, keeping our economy going. And I think they realized like, if they're not getting any credit for that, and they're still going to have a vaccine mandate imposed on them, then who's going to get respect from this government? It seems like no one. So I believe that a lot of of, um, the the division that exists in Canada is the result of not having more political diversity. And so I think Americans, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, should be glad for leaders like Ron DeSantis, who actually created a place for people to go. And I know there's other states as well, like Texas, where there were just different approaches to the pandemic. And I think that made for people um, who necessarily didn't want to do what San Francisco or New York City did, at least it had somewhere to go. In Canada, we had nowhere to go. We've been sitting here, regardless of where you live, whether you're in a rural area, an urban area, conservative uh, area, liberal area, we've all been treated the exact same way.
3: Hmm. That's some You just gave a very practical explanation of why states having rights and autonomy here in America is an important thing and has made the country great. It's, it's one way. It's, we have competition among areas of, of our country that's a system of checks and balances. That, that, that's a great explanation. Uh, Justin Trudeau. Can you walk us a little bit through his rise to power? And, and because, you know, one of the things I was listening to Tucker Carlson's uh, monologue last night before I came on, and, and he, he rose to He only got 30 percent of the vote, but through some parliamentary rules or whatever, he, he got power. Could you explain Justin Trudeau's power, where he came from? It seems like he comes from a very powerful family, it seems like.
1: Yes, that's definitely true. He's the son of Pierre Trudeau, who is still one of the most famous and well-known politicians in Canada. So the Trudeau name goes a long way, like uh, you know the Clintons and the Bushes, uh, the Kennedys. It has that kind of power behind it. And the reason why he's able to win elections despite only getting you know, 30% of the vote is because we have multiple political parties in Canada. So in addition to the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party, we also have a Socialist Party. We have a party that is purely focused on Quebec, our Francophone population. We also have a Green Party. So they all divide the vote up enough that Justin Trudeau can kind of sneak his way in without winning anywhere close to the majority of the votes. And that's how he's been able to be successful for seven years now, he's been in power because he's able to kind of game the, 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 the system enough where he doesn't need to win over large portions of the population. He just needs the 30% necessary to win. And one of the reasons he gets that support is because his father, Opened up immigration policy to people like my father who immigrated to Canada from Kenya, for example. And so there are a lot of minority communities, immigrant communities that are loyal to Trudeau and loyal to the Liberal Party because of his father's actions, not because of anything he's done. And I'm hopeful that some of what we're seeing from him now, this sort of power trip that he's on, will show people he's not like his father. Just because his father allowed many of our parents and our ancestors into the country doesn't mean that we need to be loyal to a prime minister that clearly has no respect for our rights.
3: Mm, you just opened up another can and, and perhaps an explanation of why our Southern border is wide open, uh, that it's a long-term play for voters and loyalty. Uh, and that's why we've perhaps relaxed our immigration policies here in, in the US. Let me ask you a, a more controversial question, uh, Jamil. Maybe this will get me deplatformed for even asking. <laughs> but, what do you think of the rumors that justin trudeau is the son of fidel castro is there any (laughs) chance that that's true
1: well you know the rumors started because of they look similar their sort of face uh in terms of their features and shape and then also uh justin trudeau's mother she actually took a trip to cuba a few years uh, after he was born, so people kind of linked those things to say, "Oh, maybe it's possible." Um, you know, and obviously those rumors have gotten stronger because he started to govern more like fidel castro as well um but I, I don't think there's any truth to them but i do think as you mentioned earlier on in the show he has spoken glowingly about fidel castro when fidel castro died he talked about him like you might talk about your father so i think a lot of trudeau's behavior has sort of added fuel to that fire but there's no reason to think it's actually true it is just a. Uh, I i think it is a good way though to point out some similarities to how they've approached governing, including just hostility to free speech, which is one of the things that I find most frustrating about Justin Trudeau. He seems to be a very anti-free speech politician.
3: The Is there a light at the end of the tunnel as it relates to Justin Trudeau? When's the next election? Will, will he be in trouble? uh, is there any chance that Canada moves on from Justin Trudeau?
1: Well, uh, unfortunately he just got reelected about, uh, six months ago. So technically we've got another three and a half years of him as prime minister, but the way the Canadian system works is that if he's not able to get other political parties to support his agenda, um, then we can force an election sooner. It's also possible that he becomes so unpopular that his own party boots him out as leader, which is another feature of the parliamentary system. So there is a possibility that we don't have to have this guy running our country for another three and a half years. But as we've seen, he will do almost anything to cling to power. So it will be very hard to get rid of him unless we vote him out you know, when the next election happens, which is still years away.
3: Bill, I read your column on the Daily Wire about what happened to you and your radio uh, career in in Canada, your your, your last radio job in, in Canada. Could you walk us through how being a black man who's not woke, how that upended your radio career?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm new to radio. I'm a lawyer by training. And so I was hired to do a radio show after George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. You know, I Heart Radio, which is an American company, they have their Canadian market and they didn't have a, a you know full time black talk radio host in Canada. So I think I became, uh, you know, attractive because I could talk about what was happening with Black Lives Matter and police brutality and all these different issues. Unfortunately, I think they had a role they wanted me to play. And so I get hired in the summer of 2020 and it gradually becomes clear that I'm not going to come out and say Black Lives Matter is great. In fact, I disagree with them on many, if not most issues. Uh, I I wasn't going to come out and call my country racist and talk about systemic racism all day. Um, And and I think as it became clear, I was not going to fit the liberal stereotype that iHeartRadio and Bell Media, I think, wanted in Canada. It started to get, uh, you know, hostile. Like I could feel the tensions growing between myself and some of the executives who were unhappy about the things I was saying, and you know, eventually in a late 2021, so just a couple months ago, they tried to really put the pressure on me to start changing my content so that I would start to be, in my view, a liberal stereotype and start bad-mouthing my community because our, our vaccination rates aren't as high as the broader population, or to start parroting the same talking points on things like gender ideology and systemic racism. And I just, I wasn't willing to do that. And so I disagreed with them on it, Uh, I I thought we were going to try to work out our differences. They told they pulled me off the air before Christmas, told me that I could we would meet in the new year. I showed up to that meeting and someone from human resources was there to be like, oh, actually, uh, we've done restructuring. You're not uh, needed anymore. And so it's obvious that they like they fired me over these disagreements, but what's frustrating is they're not willing to own up to it. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I feel frustrated as a, as a black man that our community often gets used in convenient moments when they think we're going to say the things that they want us to say. But when we decide to, more authentic to ourselves, to represent the true diversity in Black communities, then all of a sudden we become inconvenient and diversity, equity and inclusion just gets thrown out the window and they feel like they can get rid of us whenever they'd like. So it's a very frustrating thing to experience. But I do think it's it's important for people to, to share these stories so we can show the true colors, right? When they say diversity, equity and inclusion, what is the cost to that? And I believe in many ways, the cost to that is more control over our community, what we say and the truth that we are permitted to bring to the airwaves or in some cases not permitted to bring to the airwaves.
3: one of the things you said early in that answer was they wanted you to go on air and talk about the systemic racism of Canada and they wanted a very negative conversation uh, about Canada, and that basically there was an edict I've read in your column for virtually all the shows to hop on board, and we're all going to pump this message. For me, have, I, I visited Canada. I used to live in Ann Arbor and would go up to Windsor, you know, all the time. Uh, but re- you know, I, I don't know a great deal about Canada. What I do know is that, like uh, during slavery, black people escaped to Canada. It was, the, 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 the notion was, the belief was, things are better in Canada. Black people are treated better in Canada. And so it's kind of shocking for me to hear that like Canada is being accused of being, having this long history of systemic racism where, you know, I didn't think Canada was utopia, but I thought its history would make it be portrayed, was different than American history and therefore Canada would be regarded as different than America as it relates to this whole woke narrative of systemic racism and years and years of oppression and blah. So I, I, I'm just, it, it, what's the, what are the allegations? What's the evidence? What's the backup that Canada is this racist country?
1: It's a great question, Jason. I think part of the reason why things like uh, George Floyd being killed in Minneapolis had such an impact in Canada is because, you know, we, we borrow the American conversation about race and we sort of force it through the mainstream media into our country so you know george floyd being killed had a bigger impact in canada than any incident i can uh, recall of police brutality or alleged racism or whatever the case in our entire country in my lifetime and that's because we are so fixated on wanting to compare ourselves to the united states so a large part of it is just almost you have these activists in the u in canada who when they see their american brethren sort of getting excited about an issue, uh, getting uh, upset about something, they want, it's almost like they just want to play the same role here. And they force us to adopt the same sort of political debates, even though our countries are quite different. So that's one of the reasons. But the other thing is that there is this sense that Canada is illegitimate, being pushed by many of the social justice activists, because we are supposedly a colonial state. And I think that's a big part of where the allegations of Canada being racist comes from, that because uh, the British and the French came to Canada, uh, had uh, conflicts with indigenous populations, took control of the land, built a country, that somehow that foundation makes us an illegitimate nation. And that's one of the things that I find myself as a black man whose father immigrated to Canada just a few decades ago from Africa, I find myself In a position where I have to defend this country, because ultimately, if you question the legitimacy of Canada or the United States or Australia or any of the countries that were sort of settled by Europe, what you're questioning is my belonging here. Do they want me to go back to Africa? Do I have a place here if this country is illegitimate. And I refuse to accept that. And that's why when they call Canada racist or when they call the United States racist, it's so important that we don't just accept that and lying down because that is calling into question our belonging in this country uh, or your belonging in the United States. And why we, we we've been here, we were born here, we helped build these places and now they wanna make us feel like we don't belong because of things that happened two, 300 years ago.
3: Jamil, loved uh, you joining us. Great information, great insight. As things continue to develop in, in Canada, we'd love to have you back on. You can kind of be our Canadian correspondent. Uh, maybe you could report live from a, a, a casino in Windsor. Uh, <laughs> but Jamil, great job. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, All right, Jason. Let me tell you what about, you about my good friends. Time. All right, thank you. Uh, let me tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Most of the meat that is sold to us at our local grocery stores is not what it seems. Much of it is mislabeled as having come from America, when in reality, it's been shipped here from overseas. That's why you need to see our friends over at Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers sells 100% American meat sourced directly from farms right here in the good old US of A. You'll get the highest quality cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood, and you can get it shipped directly to your home. Plus, their packaging makes it easy to cook what you want and save the rest, which keeps you from wasting any Anything. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com Fearless today to have delicious American meals on your table. Order now with the code FEARLESS to get $25 off your box. Now is the time to support American farms and ranchers. They're hurting and you're hungry. Solve both of those problems with a box of Good Ranchers meat. Go to GoodRanchers.com Fearless. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered and a sponsor. Who loves you, loves your point of view, loves your worldview, loves me in this show. You need to support Good Ranchers. All right, Carl Tharp Porter, a trucker from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Thanks. Welcome back. Uh, We've been talking today about the event in Canada. Just had on Jamil Giovanni from Canada. We're going to segue to a American truck driver who I saw on Fox News last week, Carl Tharp Porter, and, and kind of get his thoughts from his perspective. Uh, but before we do that, I want to play that clip I was talking about of Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, talking about his respect, affinity, uh, envy of China. Here's the clip.
1: The level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China, um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted
3: uh, that
1: I find quite interesting.
3: Hmm. And, and you can focus in on Justin Trudeau, but that's the mindset of the power elites, the global elites. They prefer China's system. That's why our system, our country is completely under attack. And being framed as the most racist, evil, wickedest thing in the history of the planet. Because the global elites want to go the communist dictator route. And if they can convince you that America is a complete and utter failure, a racist hellhole that's irredeemable, (laughs) well, If you just trust me, Justin Trudeau, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, whoever's next, whoever's in power. Now, if you just trust me, I'm a good person. Trust me. Let me make all the decisions. Let me dictate to you all what happens Our economy can go green. We can fix the climate. We can do all these things. Just trust the science and just trust these handful of elites who CNN and MSNBC tell you are the greatest human beings on the planet. Just trust them and everything's gonna be okay. It's a joke. And the fact that people are going for it is embarrassing. All right, let's roll out to, uh, well, I'm not sure where Carl actually is. He's from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Yes, that Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, but he's a truck driver who I think bought his own rig. And I saw him on Tucker Carlson's show, I think, last week. And he had an interesting perspective on Canada and the Freedom Convoy. And so we wanted to bring Carl on to this show and have him tell us things from an American perspective, what he sees in the Freedom Convoy happening in Canada. Carl, welcome to the show. Uh, What do you think about what's going on in Canada? And could we ever see something like that from American truck drivers?
5: Um, First of all, it's a pleasure to be up on your show, Jason. Um, I've been watching you since your FS1 days um, from ESPN. I've looked up to you man. I think the work that you've put in has been tremendous. But to get back to the point, um the things that do I see anything happening for Americans to to make a change or a dent in this Canadian convoy? Um I see us helping out doing what we've been doing. Um we've been trying to get our voices heard as far as, you know, letting them know that we stand with them um in solidarity. I think that that's the main point that that's trying to get issued out here is that it's it's all about the choice, the freedom of choice, and with that being taken away with these mandates, I don't think it's being heard clear enough. You you give up one thing, then it's another. Um, me basically talking to Tucker was just trying to let them know that, you know, this is this is just the 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 crust of it. This is just the beginning. Um, this is going to happen all over the country. Honestly, I, I see a lot of workers taking back control of what they feel as though they lost during this pandemic, which is the freedom of choice.
3: Carl, I know why uh, one of the reasons uh, Tucker had you on, and I, because everything is spun along racial lines and you blow yeah. up that narrative. Uh, and so I'm wondering when you talk to other black truck drivers, do they share your sentiment?
5: Um, I've talked to a lot of elder black men, of course, you know, a lot of guys that had the show, well, that had more skin in the game, so to speak, you know, as far, as far as this business is concerned, as far as trucking, you know, I'm new, I'm fairly new to it. But um, when it came to race, um, I am my own man and I have my own thoughts to that. I, I don't I told Tucker this a long time ago. I don't believe in racism. That's just me personally. Um, I, I believe that that's an American issue. I, I don't see it more out abroad. I think that it's more of an, a fear tactic. Um, I think that it's a, a, a battle between good and evil. And when I told that to Tucker, I was just letting him know that, how how come, and this is, this is something I just can't wrap my head around, how come when it's peaceful protest, okay, when it's something to merely just state the obvious of what's happening as far as being controlled, why does it always have to turn into a, a racial issue? I'm a black man speaking out for blacks, black drivers and letting them know that this is not a, a racial narrative, a, a racial divide, but yet they still run with the narratives on these major media markets. Why is that? That's what I ask. I've asked Tucker this, I've asked other black folks this. We don't see it as a racial issue. It's just a matter of right and wrong.
3: Well, I, I certainly agree with you. It's a tactic by people that want to seize and gain and control more power. It's, it's, it's a way of shutting down dissent. And so if you can paint the Freedom Convoy as some kind of Klan rally, you divert people from ever examining what the real issue is. Most of the truck drivers are vaccinated. They 85%. just want the freedom to choose, like any normal person, and and the way things used to be, they just wanna preserve that. But if you throw in the narrative of race, people never even examine what the real issue is. It's like, oh, a bunch of white racist truckers causing trouble up in Canada, uh, and that's, again, it's one of the first, when I saw you on Tucker, and and I heard your story a little bit because I think you bought your own rig and you you look like you're in your 20s. You're kind of oh, man, a self-made entrepreneur.
5: No, no I'm, I'm that's actually not actually. I'm 32. I'm 32. Um, oh. I, I've been working under a, a good friend of mine, a, a brother of mine, uh, Tony Jones. He put me on through trucking and he taught me the the role of owner operator. And um, I'm buying this truck, yes sir, off of him. Um, through working for him, um, I just got myself up in the oil business, the the fuel business, so to speak, and um, it's it's been panning out to be very lucrative for me. Um, I'm just happy to you know be working during this time, you know what I mean, and, and doing something for myself. Um, I found that working for others was just not the way for me. Um, I can provide my own insurance. I can provide my own you know, taxes and everything like that. I can do it all upon my own. I don't need the middleman. So if I cut the middleman out, I can make more capital in in order to get to my dreams. Nobody's standing in front of me to stop me or anything like that. I can do it all with the grace of God and do it for myself. So again, I I want to ask you something because I I know that you are a big proponent on going against the, the racist narrative. I believe in order for a problem like racism to exist, what's the solution? What would be the solution to racism? This is all I've ever
3: asked. Well, I, I honestly, I think you're following the solution, actually. Because listen, I, I do believe there's racial bias, all directions. <laughs> I, sure. I, I think. We think it's just a one direction thing or we think our bias is irrelevant. Only the white man's bias is. But racial discrimination bias happens all directions. The solution is the exact same solution you're following that my father followed. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to handle my taxes, insurance and blah, blah. I'm going to take care of me and If I have a problem, I'm going to look in the mirror and say, well, that's on Jimmy Whitlock or that's on Carl. That's on Carl. And and that is the solution. And so when you're in that truck, I just don't know. And driving down the highway, I don't know if the white man can catch you. I guess they can send a policeman to pull you over to do something shady to you. but, But again, you have taken control of your own destiny like every grown man should. And, and that's whether white, black, Latino, whatever color you are, a man should take control of his own destiny and provide for himself either through ownership or working for somebody. But this whole thing of just running around like, oh my God, the white man's <laughs> gonna get me, he's gonna <laughs> stop me, that's for yeah. cowards. Just yes, for sir. cowards. I'm just, yes, sir. and and if, if if you and and what cracks me up is to see all these millionaires on TV, millionaire elite black people on TV. Oh, you can't make it. Not in this world. Oh, it's just so terrible. Well, how'd you make it? What How me? did you? Uh, and, and they really telling on themselves because they saying that. Well, the only reason why I made it is because a white man put me here to be his puppet. And so yeah. Well, look at the, or, well, look look at the you, narrative you,
5: right now. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I go just, ahead. Go ahead. Look, look at look at the narrative right now playing in the NFL, with the with the black head coach situation. Okay, that for instance has taken everybody by windstorm. Everybody believes now that the NFL has a racial issue with hiring black coaches. But if you look at it, if all the players are predominantly 75% African American, why isn't it that? the top five black athletes in the NFL, why don't they just boycott? Why don't they just stop? Or why don't they just take their product elsewhere? If there was such a problem with the NFL, why not just move your product? Even in the NBA, if you you have billionaires in the NBA. LeBron James is a billionaire. If you took not LeBron quite, James- Not quite, but I hear you. But you know, well, you know what I mean, by, by the- Let me uh, clarify the, your right, point. point. Let me
3: clarify your point. Yeah. Let me clarify yes, your point. What you're basically saying, 70% of the NFL is black. If the black players wanted more black head coaches, they would let it be known. If they were willing to take a knee and join Colin Kaepernick uh, over George Floyd or one of these other drugged up criminals that uh, resisted arrest, and I'm sorry, those are facts. And, And again, I say that everybody can run off of the mouth my cousin that I helped raise was killed by police in Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. don't nobody come to me with this bullshit like like I don't know the pain and, and they all and, and and all these celebrities acting like, oh, they're just so tore up over George Floyd. No, you're not. Right. That's a lie. No, you're not. I was tore up when my cousin got killed. Yeah. But I know how you put yourself in position to have that kind of beef with the police. So B- bottom line, if they can do that for George Floyd, they could do something for Brian Flores. They could do something for Eric b or whomever, but they're not doing it. And so that should tell you something. And And that a lot of it's just a media generated, created narrative to draw, to drive ratings and clicks and you know what, Carl? Yeah. We're gonna have you back on the show because I can see you like to talk sports and everything else. You're gonna man, be our trucker it, on the road, and and we'll <laughs> we'll let you <laughs> we'll let you tell I us what's it, going man. on out there in America. Uh, but thank you so much, Carl. You know, no, maybe cuss you, on a day of Tennessee yeah. Harmony. Uh, I heard you. I, heard <laughs> I got my I heard ministers you, coming man. on out on cuss. Uh,
5: uh, hey, I almost blurted out. Like not
3: this. down with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm <cleared> you out. <laughs> God's not done with me; He's still working with me. Thank you, Carl. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll fall, we'll circle back. I want to tell you guys about uh, CBD. Over 90% of doctors say their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. That speaks volumes about how safe and effective it can be. Let me tell you about CBD. CB. Distillery.com with over 2 million customers and counting. CB Distillery is the source to trust. Do you have sleeping problems? When they were surveyed, 90% of CB Distillery customers said they sleep better with CBD. Nagging discomfort? The same survey states that 80% of their customers found that CBD helped them. If you haven't discovered the power of CBD, You're missing out. Go to cbdistillery.com and order online with no prescription required. Enter promo code FEARLESS for 20% off. Again, enter FEARLESS for 20% off at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Go to cbdistillery.com right now. All right, Tennessee Harmony. And I'll have the pastors pray over me for my cursing. I apologize. Pray for myself. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. All right, Tennessee Harmony. Next! All right, welcome back. Time for some Tennessee Harmony, our favorite time of the week. Pastors Bobby Harrington and Anthony Walker from Manu.org are here. Uh, Before we get rolling, uh, if you guys could bless our conversation and Ask for a little special forgiveness for me. I, I did curse today. It's my, about my first time in several days of cursing. But
4: anyway, could you guys bless the combo? Yeah, uh, God. We just begin as we do on Wednesdays with prayer and I'm grateful uh, that all of us can confess our sins and uh, with our faith in Jesus find forgiveness and pray that this show would really help us. Uh, not just the three of us, but everybody watching to more closely trust and follow the way of Jesus.
2: Continuing, Father, we always are thankful for the opportunity uh, to share your word. We're thankful for this platform that gives us an expanded arena to share your word. Father, we pray that all that we say and do will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We're thankful for your forgiveness and your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. Guys, what I really have been looking forward to on Wednesdays of late is just, we have discussions on this show, and then on Wednesdays I get to ask you guys about it. And I, I thought uh, yesterday, Delano wrote a column about Van Jones, uh, the CNN anchor, and Van uh, had been quoted in TMZ or in the media after the COVID lockdown, I got clear that I wanted another kid. I discovered that my friend Naomi also wanted a baby, so we decided to join forces and become conscious co-parents. It's a concept that I hope more people will explore and consider. So, <clears throat> Delano wrote a column about it, and and I was me, me and him talked about it over the weekend uh, about uh, Van Jones's comments. Delano didn't cover this aspect, but we talked about it yesterday a little bit, this aspect. When I first saw Van Jones' comments, and because and, I have a modicum of respect for Van. I think he's a smart person. I think he tries to present himself in an intelligent way. A lot of things he says I disagree with, but, but I do think Van Jones is trying to be a force for good. I, I know nothing about him if he has any religious beliefs, but the first thing I thought was like, man, our society has moved to such a place that God's prescription for family, God's prescription for almost anything is of no concern to us. And I, I, you know, I'm 54 and I just remember like, we don't have shotgun weddings anymore. Not that shotgun weddings were ever a good thing, but they were a byproduct of the fact we were such a Christian culture, a Judeo-Christian culture. We are, are that people felt if you have a kid, that's serious. You better get married. And now it's not even a thought. And and Van Jones uh, is a concept that I hope more people will explore and consider. That, that to me is like, unwittingly, I don't think Van Jones knows it, or maybe he doesn't care, but that that's almost like, hey, I'm the devil, and you know what, you guys, just go out and decide, you and a friend over lunch, y'all decide y'all want to have a baby, go ahead, conscious co-parent. I, I just, anyway, I, I hear that, and I just, man, this country's moved so far just in my lifetime.
2: Yeah, you know, when I heard it, I shook my head in shame. Uh, I feel similarly about Van. I've looked at him to see. He seemed like he got a lot of intelligence. Uh, He's uh, with the views that he espouses. You know, he thinks it out. He you know, all that intelligence is fine. Uh, But a friend of mine has a phrase. He says, faith doesn't make sense. And sense doesn't make faith. In other words, your intelligence doesn't necessarily equate to your faithfulness in God. So the fact that he's such an intelligent guy, it doesn't necessarily mean that he understands what God has and what God's designed for the family. Uh, Quite frankly, uh, when I was growing up, if that was the idea, hey, we wanna have kids, we used to sing a little nursery rhyme, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby carriage, so it's like, If you and this friend have ideas of of having children, he wasn't married. I don't know if she's I believe she's single. Mm -hmm. So, okay, then let's work on uh, counseling. Let's work on taking this before God. Let's work on establishing a relationship. My first, you know, feeling on this, I feel bad for the child. Children deserve a godly home. They have no choice in getting here. So they deserve the very best that God has designed. A mother and father that's dedicated to God and dedicating to loving that child and raising that child in the nurture and admonition of God. But they are consciously stepping outside of those bounds. They're deciding to go, no, we're not going to do it. That's an affront to God. Case in point.
4: Well, I... I I think we just have to acknowledge that once you give up belief in God, somebody uh, once put it this way, when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing, mm-hmm. they believe in anything. And so what you see now is that people are creating value systems of what they're going to do or what's right or wrong based on the, their thoughts, maybe their thoughts of that day. And it leads to you know polyamory, it, it leads to uh, you know, uh, men who really feel like that they're women. And it just leads to total chaos because we've said to the, to, uh, to our knowledge of God that everybody has, we, we are not going to pursue that and follow that. We're just going to invent the rules that make sense to us, that we like and gravitate toward that. And the kind of things that Van Jones is doing uh, are just going to be common. Once you have no foundation,
2: any foundation will do. Let me, let me jump into, and the problem with that is, he just pointed out the fact that Van Jones is saying it, now there are gonna be a lot of people who respect Van Jones, who also may be struggling in their faith or may not have any faith at all that may consider. When he says, I hope a lot more people will consider this, there will be some that will consider, hey, we're friends, we make a little bit of money. Uh, No, I'm not interested in a relationship, but I do want a kid, so hey, let's do it. Because, hey, Van Jones does it. That (laughs) that bothers me. Well,
3: and he's also in like a completely different lane. He's an intellectual... He's suit and tie, buttoned up. He's mm-hmm. Ivy League educated. I could imagine there were a lot of parents that would point to Van Jones, regardless of whatever their political views are. I was like, man, I'd like my son mm-hmm. to be Ivy League educated, present himself as professional as he does, be that it. And and he says, this isn't uh some movie star or entertainer singer rapper whatever this is like best and brightest suggesting something th- in this much contradiction I'm gonna ask you guys a question a style of question that I don't think I do often on this show I'm in no way am I asking you to remove God from the <clears throat> uh, from your answer but I again most of my questions to you all, I'm looking for a biblical explanation, blah, blah, blah. But this, I just, just three guys talking. Intelligence. I've become very suspicious of book smart people and hyper, hyper intelligent people. Uh, because they may get drunk on their own intelligence and Ivy League education. And it may be
4: contributing to a God complex, or I'm so smart, I got this figured out. I, I just want to jump in because I think you're right. My dad, by the way, who's a Canadian truck driver, Uh, I worked with him in his trucking company, and he always used to talk about university people. So he only had a fifth grade education. And he used to say, oh, yeah, here here comes one of those university people. They got a degree in both hands and nothing between the ears. That's what he used to say about it. But (laughs) here's the thing where I think you're getting at something. Uh, When you go and you look at public intellectuals, they typically are creating these belief systems like, say, uh, Karl Marx. You know, Karl Marx wasn't somebody who actually worked and, and did the things that he advocates for. He was an intellectual. And it's really easy to, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, pull in scripture here on this, for Satan to put in the minds of intellectuals who are not honoring God, creative ways of creating utopia on earth that sound really good in their brains, but they're limited human beings and they don't work in real life.
2: Proverbs 14 and verse 12, we're handling it scripturally. Uh, Solomon says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So just because intellectually, logically, we may be able to connect the dots, that doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it has any morality to it. And it doesn't mean that it is substantial. Again, Van thought this through. He said he did this consciously. So the fact that he thought it through, there's a lot of people that think a lot of things through that are completely backwards, will not work in society, will not sustain. There are people that enter into a relationship consciously that won't go anywhere. This will produce no fruits of good anywhere, but it makes sense. So when Solomon says that there's a way that seems yeah. right, they thought, man, this seems like something that's pretty neat. But the end thereof, that child is going to grow up with a skewed concept and generations will come with a skewed concept of what family is. We've been talking on this show on Wednesdays a lot of times with what you know, gender is and what manhood is, womanhood is. Soon, and we're already in the midst of it. We're going to have to decide what is a family. Yeah, because now family could be two dads, a mom, uh, and two people that don't know what they are, and several kids. Like, what is that? So this arrangement, again, intellect. I hear your. I hear your point. Sometimes we can be so smart. You talk about your father. My grandmother would say we can be so smart that we're smarter than God. Yeah. Okay. We thought him.
4: Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I just wanted to add this. If you think about it, um, uh, if the Bible is true, we have the creator of the universe who created everything, including human beings, saying this is the path to human flourishing. It's by obeying my commands. My commands are meant to bless you and give you the best life on this earth. And it's saying to that God, we don't want you. We want to invent as a limited, finite human being who's going to die after 80 years. We want to invent our own rules for how society should go. If you think of it that way, it's just foolish. I'm going to stay
3: on this topic and ask a more biblical question. And it's just a theory of mine. I've got... uh, There's seven of us in a text thread, my best friends from college. Uh, They all played football with me, live across the country. Yeah, I'm the only single one in the group, all married, all successful. Uh, There's one of us in that group that when we go back to college, not going to call his name because I... cause the story's positive, but I'm not gonna call his name just, but my friends will know, they watch, they'll know who I'm talking about, but when we were in college, great friend of ours, but we thought the guy was dumb. Uh, In college, I can't remember, it was him and another guy that got in an argument, one of them misspelled cat, and uh, this dude, And again, because that's we're 54. He's probably 55 now. And so that's almost 40 years of friendship or I've seen 35, 36 years of development. This dude is so grounded in the Bible. He's the smartest person in our thread. Mm -hmm. And and I've commented on it like this dude's wisdom is so beyond Mm -hmm. everybody else's. And literally, I've watched this guy go from we making fun of him. He's our friend and everything. When we dumb, dumb, dumb to like, this is the smartest guy in our group. And it's all from a biblical knowledge. There's so much wisdom. And so that's what I look out into the world and see. People are running up incredible debts trying to get these college degrees. And I've watched, and he, you know, this dude got his college degree, football scholarship player, but I've watched somebody study the Bible and go to church and build a family that's smarter than all of them. He's, now he started his own uh, business that's doing well. Uh, and so I, I literally say to people, it's a, been a kind of a running joke of my life, um,
4: the Bible will put 30 to 40 points on your IQ. I like that. That's great. Yeah. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, Colossians in chapter two, it says in Christ dwell all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And God's given this to us to build our lives.
2: Paul, who wrote that, um, dealt with a group at the time called Gnostics and Gnostics were a people that thought that the more knowledge they obtained, the better or more like God they were. They all were on a knowledge base. And Paul refuted their knowledge with God's word and God's truth. And so when you tell that story, that's that's evident that we when we attempt to take ourselves from God and we think, well, God is just our source of knowledge. I can get knowledge apart from him. You may get book smart, but you will lose the wisdom. And if you don't have wisdom to know how to use what little knowledge you have you will educate yourself out of a relationship with God.
3: I've got some friends here in Nashville, very successful, uh, that have predominantly homeschooled their kids and aren't sending them to college. It, this is very intentional. And it, it sounds, these, and these are wealthy people, very super successful. They're not sending their kids to college. What do y'all think of that?
4: There could be a, a basis for it. I, I may know who you're yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. talking about. Um, because this is a family that kids are just sold out yeah. you know, for the ways of Jesus. Um, the other thing is college is changing right now. So as a parent, I would want to know how can I set my kids up for long term success? And if they're really devout Christians, uh, they, they may be doing some stuff that right now will make a huge impact you know, over the next 10, 20 years. If, if it's me, I'm also going to want my kids to make sure that they get a well-rounded education for life. But that
2: doesn't have to be at college. There's there's a bunch of different ways to get that. My my encouragement has shifted over the years. Early on, I would have told kids, you know, hey, get your education, go to college, get a good job, et cetera, et cetera. Over time, I'm still focused on them being learners and more so emphasizing readers. Now obviously we're talking about understanding and studying God's word as a basis. But as far as formal education, be sure to learn, don't just go there, but be sure to learn. But now I'm pushing more, you have the opportunity to start your own business. And, and I really, I mean I'm on our youth group, I'm catching kids 12 and 13 years old and I'm telling them you have the capability now that people, when I was growing up, you have Google, a source of all kinds of how-to, you have YouTube, you've got all these books, you've got Audible, you've got ways that you can start a business so that by the time you make it to college age, you've already got your own business and you hopefully will have the discipline to continue that. Because a lot of times people go to college for the discipline aspect, for the advanced or higher learning, but if you, train those skills younger, uh, they may be at that point where I, you know, I've already got a business. I'm, I'm good to go and I'm going to take this to the next level.
3: The other point I would make during my era, you went to school for the social aspects all, as well and it was like a good place to hunt for a spouse. Yeah, honestly, you know, uh, the, a lot of women went to go get their MRS. degrees or whatever. Uh, and and now though, things are so secular on college campus that you, you it, it's like, it, is it really the hunting ground <laughs> yeah. for 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 that? And does it prepare men really to stand on their own two feet? Because, you know, college campuses are not the most masculine places in the world and
4: everything is geared towards women that, you know. Two thirds of uh, college campuses now, it's uh, two women for every man, every man in a lot of places. It's been a young men are just dropping out. Uh, in huge numbers. I wanted to circle back to a passage that uh, that relates to what you're talking about. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It goes, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness Of what was believed, that is Jesus, what is preached to save those who believe. He goes on and says, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Mm -hmm. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Yeah. And I think it ties right into what you're saying. Certainly.
3: So the other thing that Delano and I talked about uh, in depth was he got into a back and forth with some black conservatives uh, over the Super Bowl halftime and gangster rap. And at one point, uh, he's talking with, I think, a guy, Jeff from the right, and maybe a woman named Sony Johnson. But at one point, uh, Pastor Darrell Scott jumped in. And Darrell Scott is uh, somewhat well-known because he's a friend of President Trump's black pastor. And he jumped in to Delano's comments and and tweeted, name one secular music genre that doesn't promote negative elements of culture they promote, be it drinking, drugs, fighting, gambling, promiscuity, or whatever. Every music genre, pop, rock, country, R&B does it. Why are only blacks (coughs) criticized for it? Delano tweeted back, I draw a very bright line between drunken bar fights in, in country and promotion of murder in rap. Same with women in old glory swimsuits dancing in front of Kid Rock and Nelly swiping a credit card down a woman's backside. It, Delano's point is like, there's all, we're having a conversation about rap music, gangster rap music, what's appropriate, and we always want to deflect. We never want to... Actually, because he kept asking one guy the same question over and over again, and the guy would never answer. And so, yesterday, I want to play the clip from yesterday on the show where Delano talked about the deflection.
0: When it comes to rappers, what we do, we hold up the fact that they donated seven. Dr. Dre donated seventy million dollars, I think, to USC. Um, some uh, Snoop does pop Warner football stuff. Meek Mill does things for kids in Philly. And I'm just asking myself, how is it that we have become so comfortable playing the harlot for such a cheap price? That's one of the things that we need to figure out as a community. Because if, if, if this is what we're doing, if we're saying we are willing to ingest, not just ingest poison, but defend the sale, the glorification, the commodification of cultural poison in our community for 30 plus years, and we'll do it because a few uh, black men become millionaires, and and even fewer black women become millionaires. Then we just we're lost. And I don't care how many elected officials you rep- you get elected, um, how many conservative politicians take office in the House and in the Senate. If if we can't decide whether you know our, our public image deserves to be protected or not, then we're lost. And and Jason, one of the ironies is that some of these same people. The moment they hear Candace Owens make a cross comment, if she says, if she, if she mentions the fact that you know, the, the homicide uh, rate among both in terms of victims and perpetrators among you know, black folks is far disproportional to our, our you know, population percentage, they jump up and say, oh man, she, she bashing black folk in front of white people. She making us look bad. But then when you have artists doing this, and again, this is, their, this is their main vehicle. This is their main contribution to society. Snoop's main contribution to society is from doggy style through Smoke and Reefer with, with Martha Stewart to, to uh, telling Gail King that she's a, a funky dog head B because she dared to ask a question about Kobe Bryant's legacy. And in between that is all types of Bs and Hs in between that is showing up to the VMAs with two black women on doll collars. In between that is him bringing a pimp, Bishop Don Magic Wand, to BET and MTV and platforming this person. And when when we hear the things that he's done, we respond with a collective shoulder
3: shrug. This is an area that I'm very well versed in and I'm very passionate about. When, when I... Uh, know a topic, it increases my passion, and uh, I've been writing about interacting with uh, hip hop and hip hop artists uh, for 30 years. For throughout the entirety of my career, I've, 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 I'm friends with rap artists. There's one, Tech 9. Uh, you know, he's from Kansas City, made music with Tech 9. Uh, you know, no Chuck D. Uh, I know all, I know Snoop Dogg. I know just about everybody in rap. And, and I, I I'm very, um, uh, the entire time my relationship with rap has been love, hate, love it. That's why I'm friends with tech now. I, I know all the songs, blah, blah, blah. But, I've always, and this is what has put me at odds with a lot of rappers, always been highly critical. Like, this is crazy. This is uh, an abomination. This is, we look crazy loving this uh, and supporting it and defending it. And just as I've matured, I've, I've stepped further away, but you know, I done had rappers, you know, lay some real threats on me. Uh, and th- these rappers don't play. A friend of mine, a former colleague friend of mine, Jesse Washington used to run Vibe magazine. He nearly got beat to death by a rapper. Uh, so anyway, I, I, it, it's, I was reading Daryl Scott's comments and the deflection. It, it's just like this whole rap thing, the entire country doesn't, in my view, know how to treat these rappers. I say you should treat them like porn stars. It's Hugh Hefner, it's Jenna Jameson, it's Ron Jeremy. Yes, their music is popular. Porn is very popular. The music's very popular because we are a sick society, and we love sick stuff. I, I
2: your thoughts as ministers. Let me ask, just as you go there, how how do we handle porn? Like there not just porn as in the illicit stuff, but even the things that look that way, they're glorified. Like, as we say, sex sells, if we want something to be promoted well, we, as a society meaning, you know, we put something, it may not be illicit, but it may be something that's visually attractive. You say, when you say do them the same, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is Instagram models. Mm
3: That's a version of soft porn gotcha, or whatever. But there's a difference between Hugh Hefner and porn stars, the Pornhood.com. And so an Instagram model, let's say, let's call her Kim Kardashian, may worm her way into the mainstream. And I'm going to be bothered by it, but I'm not going to be apoplectic about it. If Hugh Hefner was doing halftime of the Super Bowl, man, this is the king of porn. Yep. And I've been to Hugh Hefner's mansion for several parties. But I'm like, that's not who we're platforming at halftime. Gotcha. And again, I'm a Dr. Dre fan. And just like Snoop called him, he's the king of hip-hop, gangster rap music. He's the king of porn. When I've met him, oh, my God, Dr. Dre. But halftime, a Super Bowl and pretending
4: like that's not porn because it's it's poison for our society. I'm I'm just really glad that you're speaking out and you're clear minded on this, because I can tell you that what you're speaking right now is consistent with what the Bible would teach. Let me just read a passage to you just to encourage you to, to be strong in this. Uh, Ephesians 5 says, "But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's people. He goes on and he describes, you know, how dangerous these are. And then he says this, "For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And I've
3: certainly, and again, just for clarity, man, I got some really shady friends. I mean, Crips and Bloods and just, again, that's why the people on TV and the elites and the super educated, they got a bunch of theories <laughs> I've actually been yeah. in the hood mm-hmm. with the blah 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 and and just and so I, that's why I just kind of reject them they're, they're, it's a very naive thought process about who these people are and what they're capable of and 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 just but I've always even as a fan of hip-hop you, it's all over my work for 30 years Hey man, this is bad. Yeah, this is not good. That we like it, and I've been in a struggle with trying to back my and and it took me a while to get away from it because you know the, the it's just so stupid and so repulsive and so the the impact is so obvious uh, that you know I just
4: had to leave it alone. And it's not if I saw Dr. Dre or Snoop, I'd shake their hand or whatever, but. Well, it goes back to the thing. Jesus would have been would have hung around Dr. Dre or Snooper, right? We will. You can love people and say the way you're living is really wrong. Uh, and in fact, that's the best place to say it is when people know you love them. Mm-hmm. And out of a relationship and love, you're saying, hey, man, this is not the way we want to live.
2: Yeah, the the things that. Hip hop over time promotes and practices. I mean, you know music and you know the generation better than I do, but when hip hop going back to the 70s first began, they were talking about things that were political, being a better man, and don't do drugs, et cetera. That's the 70s, 80s. Uh, it then morphed into well, I had to sling a little bit to get by, to try to get us out the hood. Still kind of entertainment, but if there was a message to it, it was trying to be better, do better. But it's in the 90s where it takes the turn of, now we're starting to do the drugs, and then now we're down to just mumble rap. We just, we've completely left message, left anything, trying to be about anything. So as far as, you know, what what I would encourage people who look at Dr. Dre, Snoop, who've matured to say, okay, hey, that lifestyle, the impact, et cetera, we can't promote that. Um, it, it sounds as if I align myself with uh, Daryl Scott. I don't know him or his beliefs, so I'm not even agreeing with him. But I would say I would encourage that kind of mentality and consistency throughout life. And that's, that's my approach to sin, period. If I hate it over here, I got to hate it over there. I don't want that kind of lifestyle, that kind of whatever to be a part of me. I'm not even going to glorify it or, man, that was good. I'm going to say you guys thought that was good, but that's terrible. And, And I can't even, you know, I can't even flow with that. I do know that there are some people that look at music and entertainment as merely that. Entertainment, fantasy, watching a basketball game. Basketball game has nothing to do with God and everything. We any kind of lessons we get out of that are things that we emphasize or put into that ourselves. Um, Movies that we watch and things of that nature. The people that are trying to emulate the life that Dr. Dre and Snoop rapped about. Those are the ones getting locked up for it. Those are the ones being negatively impacted by it.
3: Well, I, I would go back. I, I would say a couple of things to that. Uh, one, I think you're perhaps underestimating okay. the incredible power of music in general. Okay. Music, and, and you know, I I had a guest, I can't remember the minister I had on, but music actually tunes your heart. Okay. And, uh... The, the importance of music, I think, goes over most people's heads, that it, it does something to your mind. Th- there's no other form of communication, really, that I can hear a song that I haven't heard in 20 years. I'll remember the lyrics. It'll take me to some place where I first heard it or remember hearing it. Mm-hmm. Brings back memory. Like music <clears throat> is an incredibly powerful form of communication, mm-hmm. and it's being used to turn this country upside down and into Babylon. Mm-hmm. And and so, uh, you know, again, there are, it's just like what Delano says about discernment and, and just like, you know, pop, rock, country, and you can mm-hmm. talk about all that. But just to be honest with you, that, that, those aren't, that's not what I listen to. And so most people are driven by what impacts them. You get more upset about what's going on with your kids mm-hmm than your next door neighbor's kids. Mm-hmm. And so this style of music yeah. is, again, when you go to... And again, I don't know if you how much you lived in the world before getting into ministry, but when you grow up your whole life where everybody's dancing to hip hop, and so when your whole 18 to 25 year, 26 years old going to clubs Mm -hmm, mm that you have to go through metal detectors to get into because generally, if there's not metal detectors, everybody's gonna be so riled up in there and the music plays a part in it. And trust me, I've been to the parties with Suge Knight and these guys and all the Bloods and the Crips in there. The Music gets you riled up and the next thing you know, everybody's scattering for the door because shots are being fired. That's not commonplace where they're playing. Now, they may have bar fights at country music stores, <laughs> but, but in hip hop, where they constantly talk about shooting each other,
4: sure.
3: the nightclubs that play that constantly have shooting problems to the point that you have to walk through a metal detector to get through the door. Yeah. And so the music, there's a reason why churches, y'all play gospel music. It's part of the strategy God intended to communicate his message. Trust me, the devil has a strategy too. Oh yeah. And Dr. Dre and Snoop are a part of that strategy, and the music that they produce—they're tuning people's hearts to death and self-destruction. And it's just—it's really—I'm again, and I'm so down the rabbit hole on this for 30 years, and have—I tried to this morning find—I wrote a piece with one of the. New York originators of hip hop music. Mm. This was years ago. I mean, one, and I, I can't even remember the guy. He lives in Africa now. I hunted him down in Africa. And he talked about why, and he's one of the original sure. people of hip hop. He talked about why he walked away from their music. Because it's satanic. It, this is crazy what they've done. And again, if they had put Chuck D out there at Super Bowl, because <laughs> that's where the music, and, and I'm going on too long, and we're going to wrap up here. But that is what actually happened. Because, and I've written about this before, hip hop was actually very conscious, sure. very uh, promotion of black self-respect. Uh, there used to be rappers that went to college, and hip hop was on the verge of being this very positive force. Mm-hmm. And then out of the West Coast came a group called NWA. And they did a song called F the Police. And then every other song on that deal was even far more pornographic and debaucherous than that. And it completely changed hip hop. Everybody went that direction. And Chuck D becomes an afterthought. And KRS-One becomes an afterthought. Mm -hmm. x Clan becomes an afterthought. The College Boys become an afterthought. Big Daddy Kane. Uh, (laughs) Cool Moe Afterthoughts. And then the next thing you know, you had to be a gangster, a drug dealer, and a killer to be a a major rap star. And here comes Biggie, Tupac. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. We done went long here, longer than I anticipated. Can we play some tomorrow? Uh, We can get out of here and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Freedom Looking for a breakout Feeling like a standoff Nothing in life Like freedom Came
1: in like a fighter Striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom
0: no negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been on i breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all when we all want to be
1: free, we want freedom.